Once again, we want to welcome those looking in online. Remember, you can go to the VLC app and you can download our outline this morning. And if you're looking in online, we want to ask you to pay attention, be observant, and get ready for God to speak to us. Well, if you're our guest online or if you're here for the first time, we have been doing a series called Servants of God. Servant of God. Now, we like that role now, but you'll appreciate it even more when you die and you're in the presence of God. You'll be so glad that you have that title, I am a servant of God. And so we wrap up the series, Servant of God, and we've tried to remember exactly what we've been talking about, and we've done that by giving you the word servant, and we've made an acrostic out of it. It's in the outline on the app, S-E-R-V-A-N-T, and we'll review that in just a second. Each week, I've tried to help you understand what that role is or give you a vivid picture of what that role is. I think about Nehemiah, and I don't have time to go through all those chapters in the book of Nehemiah, but here he is in captivity to the Medes and the Persians under King Artaxerxes. You see, Israel went into captivity because of their disobedience to God. They enjoyed the goodness of God, and then they forgot about God and went into captivity. But while in captivity, many people who love God still remember that they were servants of God. And Nehemiah was one of those ones. Can you think of a couple others? I think about Daniel, remember? We talked about him in captivity. How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Captors in the Babylonian Empire, but yet servants of God. And so Nehemiah was a cupbearer. That means to many of us, before the king drank anything at all, it had to come by the mouth of Nehemiah. But I want you to remember something this morning. Nehemiah never forgot who he was because of his position or high standing in the kingdom of God. He still remembered, even though he was a captive, he was free. And while he was a captive, he remembered the people of God. He remembered the city of God. And he remembered that the temple lied in ruins and he did not keep his mouth shut but spoke up on behalf of the kingdom of God while in the Artaxerxes administration and cared for the people of God and tried to get laws passed and get the king's approval on the people of God. And he took a risk and he took a chance. But before he could even do that, you must remember something. The people on this earth need to see with their very own eyes that you are a servant of God. And you do whatever you do well. And so whether you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, school teacher, fireman, a police officer, whatever your role is, 
That role, servant of God, does not apply to prophets only or priests. It applies to every believer in God. Well, with that picture in mind, I want to remind you this morning that when we look at the word servant of God and we look at the word S, look at the word S, we thought about servant of God, we thought about being a servant. Who's our model? Well, we talked about Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We talked about Nehemiah. But Jesus is our greatest example. The king of kings in flesh became a servant and put on flesh and blood. So he's our ultimate example of being a servant even though he is king. Secondly, I think about the word sanctified. When he saves you, he separates you and me from the people in the world, but yet we're living in the world. He says, separate yourself from the people so that people can see that you belong to God. That was Israel's role, that the world would look into the nation of Israel and see that Jehovah Elohim is God and that they would call upon him because of how he loved his people, provided for his people, and protected his people. We are to do exactly that. When they look at your life and they look at my life, they will see that we're a separate people under God. The E in servant stood for evangelism or of being evangelistic or everyone. I thought of the word evangelistic because that is our role to spread the good news. We talked about that. And who does that? Is it just the role of a pastor, a priest? No, it's all of our privileges to tell the good news to people who are dying. Then last week we talked about the word servant and we mentioned the word are, relational and relevant. The religious people of our Lord's day were not relational. That's why Jesus was so popular with the common people. He was very relational to them, and he was relevant. I want to pick up this morning with the word V. Vision and vulnerable are the two things that come to mind when I'm thinking about being a servant of God. Vision. Every single believer, again, whether you're a business owner or an employee, a teacher, God wants his purpose to be your vision. That's exactly what Sam Cathy did when he built the great empire of what? Chick-fil-A. No, not Sam Cathy. Just wanted to make sure you're awake. Just wanted to make sure that you're awake. You thought it was a Freudian slip, didn't you? Think about the business owners that decided, I'm going to operate my business with God's purpose in mind, and that's going to lead me to my vision of how I'm going to build my business. Your purpose in life as a mom, as a dad, as a father, as a grandpa, as a grandma, as a business owner, as servants of God, his purpose should be your vision. So let me explain it this way. Our vision here at Victory Life Church, 
when you walked into the sanctuary, I hope you looked up a little bit and you saw it across the doors. Living God's way. It is God's desire for every servant of God to teach the people of God how to live for him. Where do I get that from? Well, Micah 4.2 reminds us exactly what will be happening when Jesus sets up shop in Jerusalem in the new kingdom. People from all over the world will come and flock to the mountains to hear Jesus teach people about God. Remember, God said in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision for an individual, a business owner, a church, where there is no vision, the people perish. Our country needs vision right now desperately. But as a church and as a believer, a servant of God, Micah 4.2 reminds us of what we can do when we think about being a servant of God. In that day, here's what they did. Come in Micah 4.2, let's climb God's mountain. Let's go to the temple of Jacob's God. And he will teach us how to live. We'll know how to live God's way. True teaching will issue from Zion, God's revelation from Jerusalem. And so our vision, let's spell it out on the screen, is taken from God's word. We can embrace it individually and we can embrace it collectively. The vision is this. Teach, touch, and train people to live God's way. And so I broke it down. Are you ready? I think it should be on the screen. Who? Who should embrace this vision? Servants of God, believers. Every single individual at the sound of my voice or listening in should embrace this vision. What is it? Teach, touch, and train people to live God's way. That went out before me and everything I do. In fact, what is it that we're to do? Teach. Touch and train people to live God's way. Where? There's a tendency for people to take time out on Sunday and say, that's the day that I will teach, touch, and train people to live God's way. But that's not exactly how to go about doing it. The when helps you understand this. In everything that we do, we are to teach and touch and train people to live God's way. Where? I like this. It's helped me in my journey as a believer. Everywhere you and me go, we are to teach and touch and train people to live God's way. Every day of our lives, we have the privilege to teach and touch and train people to live God's way. Why? Because God commands us to in his word. How are we going to do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And one has to look no further than Peter, who denied our Lord three times, twice in front of a little young lady, and then in front of another person. 
Then all of a sudden you open the book of Acts. Jesus has died. He has risen from the dead. And he said, I will give you the power to do exactly what I'm telling you right now. To teach, touch, and train everyone about the good news that Jesus has died on your behalf. He's taken God's wrath on your behalf. He's died and he has risen again. And if you believe in him, the Holy Spirit will baptize you into the family of God. You are adopted in the family of God. You become a child of God. You're joint heirs with Jesus. You have your citizenship in heaven. And you are to proclaim that everywhere you go and everything you do, every day of your life. That's your mission, servant of the living God. Amen. We have our purpose. Now, when I think of the word V, I think of being vulnerable. Isn't it something when we get saved, we understand who our example is, Jesus. And we know he's perfect, and we look at other believers, and we have this expectation of other believers, and sometimes we don't have that same expectation of ourselves. If you're going to be a servant of God, you need to be vulnerable. We have enough illustrations in the word of God, don't we? Of God allowing us to see his great saints were very vulnerable to the same temptations that you and me experience today. King David, Abraham, Moses, Paul. Peter, when you deal with saints and you're helping in them in their journey, never forget to look at yourself in a mirror and understand that you are a saint that has sinned. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you are constantly being cleansed from your sin. But deal with other saints that way. Be compassionate, forgiving, and merciful as Jesus is loving and compassionate and forgiving and merciful to you. Servant of God, remember that when you bump into other saints. Then I think about the word A. When I think about the word A, I think about ambassador and apple why do i think about apple i think about apple for this reason and being a servant of god now i know that sometimes we like to play favorites but i learned from joseph never to play favorites with my children i can play that with my daughter because she's my only daughter oh actually i have two daughters i forgot now my other daughter's present today i, I forgot <laughs> See, I'm a saint that's saved. I'm sorry, I, I messed up. Whew, I'm glad I remembered that one very quickly. <laughs> then I have precious grandchildren. And every time I'm around my grandkids, I have now three, right? Did I get that right? Three precious granddaughters. And I always walk up to them and say, you're one of grandpa's favorite princesses. I always remember to say that. Usually never slip on that one. David desired to be the apple of God's eye. 
I don't know about you, but I desire that too. Remember what he said in Psalm 17, 8. To God, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. That phrase, apple of my eye, refers in English today to something or someone that cherishes above others. And David used the phrase apple of God's eye in his prayer. Just as light is reflected on the shiny skin of an apple and images are reflected in the eyes of a human. Beholder, God always and constantly let my image be before you and use your power to protect me. I don't know about you as a servant of God. You remember the, the pupil is the apple that he's talking about and your blinking eyes protect your eyes from invaders, for all foreign invaders. Do you desire to be the apple of God's eye? Is that something deep down inside of you? If not, desire that as a servant of God, to be the apple of his eye. Never forget a servant of God, you and me represent his interests, his kingdom, his values, his son, his people. And therefore, when I think of A, I think of ambassadors. We've kind of gone over that. Some of these kind of spill over into the other letters, S-E-R-V-A-N-T. I know under evangelism we talked about this. But please never forget saint or servant of God. Please never forget that this purpose or this vision, this purpose lived out as a dad, as a mom, as a business owner, as an employee, Remember, God's purpose should be lived out in the life of your family, in your marriage, in your business, wherever you go. You are an ambassador for the Messiah. 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, Therefore, if anyone is in the Messiah, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this goodness is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, he's not talking about pastors and clergy only or priests or bishops or deacons. He's talking about servants of God that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting, aren't you glad for this, men's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message, the message, not condemnation, the message of reconciliation. That's what I think about when I... think about the word reconciliation we we servants of God servants of God listening in we are therefore the Messiah Christ's ambassadors it is as though God were making his appeal through you through us we implore you on Christ's behalf 
Be reconciled to God. So everywhere we go, in our businesses, in our relationships, our places of leisure, we are Christ's ambassadors. We never, ever stop being his representatives. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, there is no time out. But what a privilege to represent him. So we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's the great message. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I think about apple of God's eye. And I think about when I'm a servant, you're a servant of God. When I think about being servants of God, I think about you and me being his ambassadors. Do you embrace that role? Do you embrace that role? Servant of God. If you don't embrace that role one day, God calls all you and me enemies of God. We're all enemies of God until we finally call on God and cry, Uncle, I give up, God. I want to serve you rather than being your enemy. When I think about being a servant of God, I come to the word N. N. And I think about nucleus and negotiate. Those are the two words I think about. Negotiate and nucleus. When I was lost in the world, when you were lost in the world, I hung around all my buddies, partied, played cards, gambled, did all the things that life offers, and nothing really bothered me. I enjoyed. Those were my buddies. I hung around them. I ate with them. We lived together. We enjoyed life. But when I almost died and came close to death, as some of you have experienced, as I've heard your story, I almost died on drugs. And in that time, four hours that I was all balled up in a fetus position, I begged for God's help. I wasn't that macho guy that I thought I was because I felt death's tentacles going around my neck and my heart, and I thought, it's over. And I begged God to help me and give me another chance. He did. I called upon him and he saved me. And one of the things he's asked you and me to do, it's found in that first letter, S. What is it? Separate yourself from the people that you used to hang around because they're my enemies. They don't have my interest in mind. They don't have my kingdom in mind. They don't have my uh, Messiah in mind. They don't have my value system in mind. All they think about is their stomach. That's it. They're full of pride and envy and murder and adultery. You are to separate yourself, and now your friends, the nucleus of your friends, are the servants of God. By the way, not only did I abandon them, some of them ran from me. <laughs> because of the glory of God being all over you and me, they didn't want to be around righteousness. In fact, there could be a couple of people in church right now that are squirming like I squirmed and you squirmed that one time because the power and the glory of God works through his messengers. His truth penetrates the darkest dungeons of our hearts and our minds. And he says, 
I'm real. I live. I created the heavens and the earth. The heavens declare the glories of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. And scientists try to tell you nature created it. And you're saying, what imbeciles. And they've trained one, two generations of our children telling them the creation created all you see. And you yell, stupid, stupid, stupid. God said, I created it. Now I acknowledge, Lord, as a servant of the Most High God, you did indeed create all that I see. And everything is held together by your word. Now I want to hang around the people of God. By the way, if you bump into a person that tells you, I love God, but I don't want to go to church and hang around the people of God. What does that tell you? It reminds me of an old show I used to watch. Does not compute. Does not compute. (laughs) Does not compute. Do you know what show I'm talking about? It's an old show. How can you say you love God and love his son and not love the servants of the living God? It's an impossibility. He said, you can't say you love me and not like these dudes that are mine. You can't. And you, and, and you actually want to go to heaven? Did you ever think, knock on your hard wooden head, that the only people in heaven are the people of God and the servants of God. Wow. Hmm. So when I think of the word servant, I think of the word nucleus. When people of God get saved, born again, baptized into the family of God, they abandon their old way of life. By the way, that is not a decision you make. It is the living God springing up inside of you. Spring up a well, a song that a couple of people wrote at our church. Remember that? Spring up a well. It is God in you that causes you all of a sudden to thirst and hunger for him, to love him who you cannot see, to talk about a kingdom you don't even know about, and to punctuate, elaborate on a value system you've never embraced. And then a language that you have that you never used to know. Yes, I speak in a new tongue, a new language. I have been given the gift of tongues. It is the good works of God and the good deeds of God and the good news of God that Jesus saves. There's a passage that reminds us how the first believers acted and conducted themselves. Acts chapter 2. In fact, all of our small groups and our churches really are built on this particular passage of Scripture. Acts 2.42. They, the believers, the servants of God, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. By the way, we're going to get back to the, break, to the, to, to, uh, the breaking of bread this month, the Lord's Supper. Everyone, because of this, was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. I have declared to you, I have seen 
the glory and the mighty work of God. I'm not baffling you. I'm not trying to impress you. But J.W. and I have talked about this, some of our staff and some of our leaders, that we have seen the mighty work of God alive in Victory Life Church and her members. That I'm not joking at all. And guess what? We're expecting more. What I am praying for is healing. I have not had the privilege to see some of you may have. I have not had the privilege to see automatic healing, but I'm praying for that. Is God okay with that? Is he pleased with that? For me to ask him that? For you to ask him that? He said, bring everything to him in prayer. And so I'm asking that God would glorify his name by healing some of his servants. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be honored and glorified and you would do that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. By the way, that's how we live our lives. Everywhere at any time is a time to call upon God. You don't wait to pray. Pray right then. So here's some of the things they did. Believers, servants of God. Well, they fellowship. They listened to the word of God. Miracles took place. All the believers were gathered together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Here's what happened as a result. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. Daily people were being saved. That's what I think about as a servant of God. The nucleus of people I hang around with are believers. I will play a game of tennis with someone. I hang around that person long enough. If they keep spilling out their venom and going toward darkness, I won't play tennis with them anymore. I'll try. I play pickleball. I'll play pickleball out there. I hear all kinds of foreign language out there. <laughs> I hear more about God on the uh, pickleball court than I do in the church. But after a while, that gets old, and I can only hang around them so long. When I go golfing, I try to get some golfers to join me. After nine holes, they have departed from me, and they don't finish the last nine holes. It's not because I'm being preachy. Once someone finds out you're a servant of God, if you live for him and you love like he does, they're either going to be drawn toward him or they're going to make a beeline away from you. That is a fact. If you're neutral, probably, probably the love of God is not in you. Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. There's no neutral ground with Jesus. When I think of the word in, I think about negotiate. Negotiate. There are many, when I think about that, I think about the negotiables and non-negotiables of our faith. There's a passage, let me read it to you. It's found in Titus 3.9. As I'm thinking about servants of God and the arguments and the debates we get into about a lot of things... 
God is teaching us this ought not to be so amongst the servants of God. Here's what he said. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law or about the Bible. Because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. And so, so what would be a negotiable of our faith that we don't need to be sit around, sit around and um, debating for hours when I was in college and in seminary and in some churches, we'd sit around for hours debating and arguing about a particular teaching in God's word. Well, that's okay, but there are some things that are negotiable. How to get to heaven, is that negotiable? No. What age do babies actually go to heaven? Hmm, I, I don't know. I believe all babies go to heaven, but there is an age where the scripture teaches you and me that they are accountable to God. I don't know what they, that age is. So it behooves every single grasshopper and be. to teach them the ways of God. Daddy, that's your responsibility. You are the priest of your home. You don't want to be going to hell and drop off and turn around and see your daughter and your son and your granddaughter and your grandson following in your footsteps because you failed to embrace your role as the priest of your home. What a privilege it is. What an honor it is. And if, you, if, there, if there is a man absent in the home, then it's your privilege, young lady, young woman, to do the same thing, to raise your child in the ways of God. Don't wait because I don't know what that age is. Secondly, I got my doctorate in eschatology. Some of you wonder what eschatology is. It is the study of last things. I think I have the right way, and other people think they have the right way. So who's right? <laughs> I am. <laughs> In all seriousness, most of us that studied eschatology believe that Jesus is coming in the clouds. The reason he told you he's coming in the clouds is because that imposter, that alien, that UFO, it could be Satan could be working through that and come to this planet and the Bible says the Antichrist is going to deceive the world because he's going to be able to do such mighty things and miracles that the world is going to go after him and they will be doomed. If anyone sets their foot on this planet and says they are the Messiah, what are you to do? Run! Run into the mountains and get out of Dodge. Negotiables. There are some negotiables. Don't sit around as servants of God arguing and debating about things that are negotiable, okay? That's the word to us as saints. It's okay to sit around with some good friends that really understand it, but in the end, the Bible says, if at peace... Be at all possible, if at all possible, live at peace with your brothers in Christ. 
There are some non-negotiables, and many of our churches are treating this as negotiables. Let me just give you one big passage, Revelation 22, that reminds us about the Bible. Revelation 22. I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in the book, the Bible. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life in the holy city that are described in this book. One servant of God, or as a servant of God, we need to be very wise. What is negotiable and what is non-negotiable? If you just go online and look up Barna Research amongst evangelical Christians, it is amazing how far they slid down that slippery slope of liberalism theologically. Where over 40-something percent do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. That's an easy example because John 14, 6 says, I am the way. We're spending all this money and all the religions and science, and we're trying to find out where we came from and where we're going. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the light. No one goes to the Father or comes to the Father unless he comes through me. That is a non-negotiable truth. All religions are not equal. Jesus Christ, as far as I know, as far as the record is declared, is the only one that came up from the grave on his own power. And he is alive and he sits at the right hand of God today. Amen? Buddha didn't. Confucius didn't. Muhammad didn't. Elvis Presley didn't. And Houdini didn't. Jesus is the only one that came out of the grave. And everyone in this room who is born again has experienced the power. The unbeliever looking in right now may say, How, you're, you're believing a story 2,000 years old? No, yes I, yes, I am, and no, I'm not. Because when I yelled, God, save me, the glory and the power of the Holy Spirit birthed you into the family of God, and there is a new you inside of you that lives for the glory of God, and you can't tell where it came from, but you know it's there. He's there. I am in you, you are in me, and we are one. Servant, S-E-R-V-A-N-T. You didn't think I could finish. When I think about T, there's a lot of things I put on this word T when I think about servant of God. People need to be teachable. Teachable. Or need to be teachers. I think about team players. And one I didn't write on there, your treasure. Your treasure. All this belongs to God. Romans 2.21 reminds us, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you, do you steal? And I'm reminded when I come out here and I look in the mirror, I'm reminded a lot of times of my own failures. 
And I'm so grateful. And I look in that mirror and say, God, thank you that as I walk in the light that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. There are many Sundays I would not have been able to stand up here. Now, don't try to figure out what sin it was, okay? But there's many a times that I had to do what I'm preaching to you. Don't get angry. Don't lust. Don't steal. Whatever the commandments are, I've had to say, God, I live for you and I love you. But there was a moment. There was a thought. There was a deed. I was playing pickleball the other day. I'm a very competitive person. I want to win at everything and anything. And I'm thinking about a point that I work so hard for, and I'm telling you, I run hard on that court. Other people just go like this, and they go back, and it's like they're playing music. Da, la, 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 la. It, it is. It, it, they don't work hard because they don't want to move much. They think it's an old fogey game. I'm telling you right now, it's not an old fogey game. There's young whippersnappers out here. Yeah, some even young kids that are trying to kick off the courts. They are. There's some young little kids out there, and they get mad. But I'm thinking about this point I worked so hard for. I ran back, and I ran forward. I ran sideways. I'm like this on the courts. I'm like a jackrabbit. And then someone steals a point from me? Oh, man. Or I thought they did. And I got in my car, and I said, it's a, just an ugly, horrible feeling to people that love God that misrepresent him. Isn't it? It's just because we love him. Now, I don't think anybody really knew all that was going on, but I still don't want to be known for the person that argues about every point. By, my, by golly, I've done that most of my life. You'd think I'd be over that by now. So don't ask me. I hope to play pickleball with you. <laughs> okay, that's being vulnerable. That's reminding you, and you need to remind yourself. Yes, pastors have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. God loves us the way we are when he saves us. He's in the business of making us more like his son, much like a mom and dad are molding a child to become an adult. Be teachable. But some of you have loved God so long that you should be teaching others. 1 Timothy 3. Actually, let me skip that one because of time, and let me go to another particular passage. In Hebrews 5.11, it says, there's so much more we would like to say about teaching, but it's difficult for me to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Now, he's challenging. He's not trying to be mean or rude. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you. Again, the basic thing about God's word, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. He's saying you should be past the elementary things now and you should be in middle school. You should be in high school concerning the things of God. You could be teaching others. He said, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. So solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. When I think about tea, I think about being teachable, and some of you should be teachers. We desperately need teachers. Now, I'm not talking about in a class setting. I'm talking about in your home. 
teaching your children the things of God. That's where it begins. If you're going to do it in the house of God, you need to do it at home. I think about your talent. Your talent is from God. You don't believe that? Let me read Exodus 31 to you. This has nothing to do with being a pastor or a priest. I don't care what talent you have right now. I want you to insert yourself in this passage. Muy importante. See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uriah, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah, and have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Do you understand that the talent that you have is from God and you will stand before him one day and give an account for that talent? Did you use it for God? Remember, he is the owner. You are the managers. And you and me will stand before holy God and give an account for our management of the talent he's given us. Well, I'm going to end there because just three minutes over, that's not too bad. I pray that you'll give me grace. As I think about this time, we continue to worship God at this time through different ways. Music, prayer, giving. By the way, for those looking in online and those here present this morning, besides giving your tithes and offerings, which we don't pass a plate, we trust that you'll do that because you love God. And if you're online, not only to give your tithes and offerings, but you still have a chance to join us in our celebration today as, as we send off one of our servants to another state. will be... a tab that says something about giving to the Wallace family. You can still do that online. And if you're here today, as we say, adios, amigos. Please think about giving a gift as we celebrate the Wallace family on our way out. But also please be faithful to your giving to God so that there remains to be a light in the community. You can do that by taking up an offering in the offering envelope, put it in there and put it in our offering boxes. We're going to continue in prayer. We're asked to invite some people to come to the front and pray. Pray for that miracle that we've talked about or miracles. Pray for our nation. By the way, if you're interested, I have left politics alone and COVID alone. But the week before voting, I'm going to preach a message. Yes, like Daniel. Yes, like Nehemiah. Yes, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not preaching on policy. I'm preaching on God's administration. And I'm going to teach on it. So if you want to hear it, you want to be in tune, you want to be here. But next week, I'll be preaching on Psalms 19. The heavens declare the glories of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Let's bow for prayer. Father, what a pleasure it was to represent you. And I pray that someone that doesn't know you, number one, A, they would admit that they're a sinner. Remind them, part of becoming a child of God is admit they're a sinner. B, believe in you that you hung there on that tree and took God's wrath 
God's punishment, God's judgment on their behalf, on my behalf. And you died and rose again. We're transferring our trust completely to you. And then number C, remind them the call. Call. You said, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. And of course, if you're online looking in and, and you're making that decision, please go to the comment section. And hit the tab and tell us about your decision. We'll be sure to get you some material and get in contact with you this week. And of course, if you're here, you've made that decision. We'd love to hear about that decision because the next step is to get baptized. So, Father, continue to receive our worship in song and in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.